And this control stick is like the handlebars on your tricycle. Now, would you like to see where we hang our coats? No, thank you. I'd rather push this button. <laughs> no. We're all gonna die! Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount, proudly brought to you by The Simpsons Quotes and Nobody Gets Any More Facebook page and NoHomers.net. I am Dando. I am Mitch. You've got stories. you got something to tell me because your wife's away. My wife's away again, yes. And I said, how are you coping this time? And you said, well, I've got some stories. Well, my response was that my life turns into a shit show when I'm left to my own devices. Yeah. It's not so much stories, but I've got a photo of what my dinner was tonight, Dando, and I'm going to allow you to describe this to the listeners. Now, I've, I've put my hand in the photo for scale. Oh, Lord. <laughs> that is obviously a piece of meat with a bone. It's just a ribeye steak. Yeah. It's a 590-gram ribeye steak. Yeah. What else is on that plate? Nothing but tomato sauce. <laughs> tomato barbecue sauce. sauce. Barbecue sauce. <laughs> that was my meal. 590 grams of meat. But do you regret it? No. Exactly no, not right. at all. See, would Ash let you have that for dinner if she was here, though? She would let me have it for dinner, but then I'd have to figure out what else am I going to make for her. So, you know, I just went, well, the wife's out. I'm just going to eat meat for the week. Have you at any point since... Because Ash goes away quite often with her job. Yeah. Have you ever pulled a Tom Cruise in Risky Business? Just for the sake of... Because I know how much you love Tom Cruise. Tonight is the first time I've been wearing pants post 7pm yeah. all week. <laughs> how good is it when you just wear nothing? It's fantastic. <laughs> it was also 30 degrees last night, so it was oh, very convenient. Man, how hot was it? Stupidly hot. 30 degrees is hot in the middle of the day. 30 degrees at night when you're trying to sleep is just horrendous. There was a fiasco in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, the household. We had the portable fan in the in the bedroom, right? Yeah. Obviously it was hot so we had it on. It was about half a half a meter away from the bed. And something had come loose during the night when it was on and it went <laughs> Jet starts barking. It's like a machine gun going off. Oh man, it was a dilemma. That's what you want in the middle of the hot night as well, when it's already hard to sleep, is more noise. Yeah, it was just, Jet didn't know what was happening. I thought someone was shooting me. So, we're here to review Mr. Lisa Goes to Washington. Not Mrs., as you've referred to it a few times during the podcast. I reckon I've got the name of this episode wrong about 20 times in in our podcast run alone. But because you mentioned it so often, I knew it was going to be one you were pumped for, and you actually messaged me yesterday saying, I can't wait to actually do this. Yeah, I've taken more notes, although the weird thing was... Watching through it, there's less story to talk about in this than anything. It's really just kind of a series of scenes and bits of observational comedy. I guess it's like their first, uh, not first road trip because they've been to Capital City before, but it's their first trip to a real destination. Yeah. And you could tell the writers were just super excited to make as many jokes about Washington as they possibly could. The story was better than I remember it being. Because mm. as a kid, I'm, even now, I'm not huge into politics. So a lot of the jokes went straight over my head. True. The context of the episode. Even now, I wouldn't say it's one of my favourite episodes, but I can appreciate the humour and the satire. What you might have noticed is how often they put the plot on hold throughout this episode, though. What would you say is the main plot of this episode? The main through line is that that Lisa is you know going to Washington for her essay contest and then discovers... She starts off very patriotic and then discovers that the system is not as um, kind of... You know, she'd been looking at America through Rose colored glasses and then when she realizes that there's a lot of corruption around then that vision comes crashing down then her faith is restored by the hard-working people of the american government 
I know you got that quote that you love to say. I only work for Uncle Sam. <laughs> you said that so many times. And I forgot that it was in this episode. So when I watched it, I was like, ah, yes, yeah. that's the moment. And it is really, really funny. I will give you that. I love how so over the top, almost like the West Wing can lay it on, but just how much in the last few minutes, everyone just loves working for America. In yeah. the, like they just... They set up so much of this episode to skewer Washington and say how corrupt everyone is, but then they just show this blindingly patriotic side at the end of it all to kind of even it out. And they go so far that it's funny, but it also kind of stops them from stops anyone from being able to get really offended about what they've done. Apart from the logging industry. Yeah. Well, they weren't happy, apparently. No. I've, I've got a, a fact here that you probably obviously read as well. Yeah. But um, I liked George Bush... It's yep. like, oh, 250 yep. million of them. Oh, my bosses are going to be happy. <laughs> like, it's just got some foreign dignitary. Your bosses? Yep. All oh, 250 million of them. One thing I did note here, the guy that hands him the note or whatever it is to sign uh, to George Bush mm. is the same guy that has the photo of Homer from Homer's Night Out with the guy at work that you don't know who he is. Oh, really? And he's like, oh, can't wait to show the guys this photo. It's exactly the same design. Oh, dear. Yeah. Not that it's a big deal, but... Yeah, you know. no. Obviously not the same person, just the just same template. Yes, just super geek dando, just notice that. Anyway, so that fact we're talking about the timber industry, I read this on the Wikipedia page for Mr. Lisa Goes to Washington that says the timber industry criticized the scene in which Lisa witnesses the timber industry lobbyists offering a bribe to the congressman in order to demolish the Springfield forest. The scene was described as an easy shot at hard working people whose only crime it is to have been born in a timber town. You know what that is? Is anyone that doesn't have something to hide doesn't pay any attention to what The Simpsons are doing. Yeah. And I think, was it uh, one of the showrunners had, you know, in response to a few things, their response was, guys, I think it's important to remember that we're a cartoon. We're not, you know, 60 minutes. We're not going to watch this and judge you. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's we're, we're making some jokes. Just chill out. I love the well. It's it's very much that I love the two signs of uh, that the timber lobbyist does have. It was like we just come in and clean out the clutter and just like have squirrels having tea parties on tree stumps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another fact we mentioned the showrunners before. Uh, this is actually the first episode with Reese and Jean as the showrunners. Yeah, and I was saying that they were terrified and not ready. Yeah, apparently they rewrote the scripts like six or seven times because they just were not satisfied with it. Yeah, it wasn't funny enough, and you can sort of get at what you were talking before, how there was a script or there was a plot here, but it feels like there's a lot of added jokes that have been thrown in for the sake of humour. Yeah. It sort of has that feel to it. What would you say would be key moments in the episode? You mentioned before that they sort of sidetracked from the plot. What would you say are key moments like that? When they first get to Washington, there's a good couple minutes where all they do is hit different Washington landmarks and destinations and just have a crack. Like Marge joking about the Washington Monument. The plane? The plane is another one, yeah. There's a lot of moments where they throw to Bart... For no reason other than to just be to do something funny or mischievous, yeah. and then and that's pretty much it. So there's a they're the sorts of moments that I'm talking about where it's all just kind of pushed to the side for a moment, and then we'll be funny for five minutes, and then we'll come back and Lisa can do something about the story, move it forward, and then we'll be funny again. Well, as you said, they really wanted to take advantage of the fact they were in a real city, so they wanted to parody as much as they possibly could. Yeah, and I'm not saying that it's bad by any means. It's just it really had those two very clear, almost halves. It was a show of two halves but spliced together, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, let's get into the full review. So, basically, it starts off with Homer going through junk mail. Now, this is kind of funny because it's like the pre-internet version of scam mail. Yeah. It's like the, the million-dollar check and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What I I'd like forgotten most- all about this, oh, by the way. I yeah, couldn't exactly. remember how the how it all kicked off and how Homer ever came across a Reader's Digest magazine. I remember Lisa won a contest for something, but for some reason, I thought it was a spelling bee. 
but it's actually the essay yeah, contest. Okay. I, I couldn't remember exactly what it was. I knew she won something. Yep. Anyway, so yeah, so he's going through. I like that he's he's getting letters that are real mail. That is the wrong name, but they're, they're actually for him. They just spelt his name. Sam Soy. Stupid junk mail. You may have already won. Yeah, win this. Here's good news for Homer Simsoy. I'll see that he gets it. How dumb do they think I am? Huh? A check? <gasps> One million dollars. I'm rich! Gets a million dollar check, believes it to be real, takes it to the bank. They're like, uh, this is completely not real, sir. Here it says void, 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 and this is not a check. Well, I'm going to um, kick off, by the way, with a little bit of a financial education. Uh, for you. So, as you mentioned, this is an episode that I was going to be excited about because there's a lot of politics. Now, did you see the sign on the bank that he drives up no, to? No, I didn't pay attention. So, the name of the bank is the Home Security Trust, and it's got a quote there saying, we are not a savings and loan. Hmm. During 1986 through to 1995, there was a massive savings and loan crisis in America where about a third of all savings and loan institutions went um, bankrupt. It was based off... They were basically offering loans at interest rates lower than what they could earn money back from and giving out savings rates higher at what they could earn money back from. To try and compete, but they couldn't... Yeah, exactly. To try and be competitive, interest rates didn't go the way that they were kind of expecting and they just crashed. It was a very, very deregulated industry. So, essentially, this is... Like, what he's gone to, Home Security Trust, is a savings and loan. It's just that they've called themselves a different name and then they've got that on the banner. So, boom, a little bit of financial satire out of the blocks with The Simpsons. Very good tidbit, sir. Very good. So, uh, I like when he gets back and Homer's, he still can't believe that it was, wasn't a real check. It just reminds me of when you watch like Today Tonight or 60 Minutes or those kind of shows and old women are like complaining that they got sucked in by scam mail. I'm like, how? You, how could, no matter how old you are, how could you read that and believe it to be real? You know, it happens so often and it's one of the most tragic parts of my job working at a bank, seeing people that have been sucked into these scams. And I had one person who was so adamant that she had won like uh, $5 million in a lotto, like an online lotto that she hadn't taken part of. And a friend of hers actually brought her in. She said, my friend will not believe me that this isn't real. Maybe she'll listen to you. Do you mind? She didn't She didn't actually bank with us. I just did it as a favor. So the one that won it would not believe that it wasn't real? No. She, okay. she, so everything... It's kind of like, sad. They had emailed through a copy of the check and someone was flying in to <sighs> deliver it and she had to send money for them to be able to come across. <laughs> and... I highlighted six things. I was like, okay, see how this currency sign is like, you know, the check says it's in dollars, but this is a sign for pounds. Um, at one point, it calls it a draft. At another point, it calls it a check. The watermark here is different. You can see where they've edited this word. Like, over very clearly. And not to talk down or belittle her, because, you know, I'm trying to be very supportive. But like, you know, I'm very, very sorry, but what's happening here is not real. And I highly recommend that you don't send this person any more money. To cap all of that off... The person was sending them nasty emails saying, I'm stuck in customs. I need this money to release me. <sighs> Dogs. I'm here in customs at Avalon International Airport. International. Now, local listeners to Australia will know that there is no international flights at Avalon. No. <laughs> and, and again, I pointed that out. I'm gone. They're clearly, they've just Googled an airport close to where you live. Like None of this is what's going on. I bumped into this person's friend maybe six weeks later. I was like, you know, how did things work out? Nothing. She wiped all of her money. Like even after she spoke to me, she sent another fifteen thousand dollars. Fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah. Like it's, it's just it's it's crazy the way people can be hooked in these scams. Wow. How old was this person? Uh, late thirties. Jeez, just, that's crazy, man. Mm. There's a little bit of real life stuff. Yes. Hitting you here at Four Finger Discount. No jokes about no, that. No, at no, all. no. There's, I'm not going to laugh because it's sad. It's awful. Really. Yes. But I did uh, like you know. 
when we first set this out, we said that when things happen in the shows that relate back to life, we were going to tell some little little tales about that. But, you know, the idea of Homer being fooled into that check, yes, it's silly, but it does happen. Yeah. And I usually watch those shows and laugh at the people because of how ridiculous it is. It's because I've never really come face to face and experienced the person who's... Yeah. Well, we get them all the time. If you want to get spam email, set yourself up a website. Oh, my God. <laughs> every, every three minutes, someone's promising to get us on the first page of Google. And we already are. We're already there. <laughs> So, Homer gets a free copy of Reader's Digest, or is it Marge that gets it? No, Homer well, gets it. Well, it would have come out for Homer, but Marge is the one flicking through it. Yes, Marge is flicking through it, and pretty much, Homer just falls in love with it. He's yeah. just, it's, I com- like you said, I completely forgot what it was that got the essay contest going, or yeah, got the right. contest going. Well, I remembered that it was Reader's Digest, I just yeah. didn't remember how he got it. Do and you remember when your parents used to get Reader's Digest? My mum used to get My grandmother off. used to do it all the time. As like a nine, ten-year-old, I loved that magazine. So did I. Because the stories <laughs> in there were Cool stuff. Yeah. Like, I remember a really awesome one about a guy that survived a shark attack. And another one about a guy who was like underwater caving. Um, and there was some sort of incident. I don't remember the exact details. But I was exactly... As a kid, I was like Homer. I was like, oh, I hope he survives. <laughs> <laughs> like, he obviously does. Yeah. He wrote the story. Oh, so I remember what happened. So Marge is telling me how good Reddit's Digest is. Homer's not hooked, but then he sees there's a cartoon. And mm. he laughs at it because it's like a sexless joke. Well, dear, you always wanted a compact. Yeah, yeah. And Marge is not happy about the fact that he finds it funny. And then Homer says the classic... Marge, cartoons don't have any deep meaning. They're just stupid drawings that give you a cheap laugh. <laughs> Stands up, butt crack. Yeah. Yes, classic. Really good meta joke. Yeah. Deadpool would have been proud of that sort of comedy. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like it reminded me of when things don't have to make sense in cartoons or something along those lines, and then Homer walks past the window when he's sitting on the couch as well. Yeah, or something about, um, you know, senseless violence is funny, watch, and then trips Homer or as he's walking through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Homer starts reading the book at work, and did you notice, well, Mr. Burns notices that he's reading the book. Black and white monitors? Black and white monitors, and he's forgotten who he is again. Next episode. Yeah, well, of course. But do you think that by this point they've had that as the running gag? Do you think they've realised that they've had They've Burns done it forgotten? a few times, but this is probably the most obvious. Yeah, yeah, but as you said, black and white monitors straight away. So obviously yeah. the colour monitors was purely for the gag of the pink shirt, which yeah. is fine. It's The Simpsons, so... You get in that moment as well, Burns, with one of the great references of just how incompetent the power plan is. It's like... Who is that bookworm, Smithers? Then that the follow-up of, it's interesting. His job description clearly specifies an illiterate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, we get back home, and the kids are watching a McClure special of some kind on TV. Did you mm. notice the voice isn't right? Sounds yeah. It's kind of like Dan doing it It again. was Dan doing was that Dan. one. Yeah, so, they yeah. were saying that at this point, they still hadn't quite decided that McClure was going to be a constantly recurring character. So, it was just for one line, get Dan to do it as a throwaway. It's happened before as well, I think. Yeah, it it did. When they, but he actually saw McClure that time. Yeah, there was, uh, and again, it was just one line where Homer's flicking through channels. I think that's yeah, the that's when the dog the dog's chewing the. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, the dog's chewing on the remote. So Homer wants to. He turns the TV off, and obviously the Reader's Digest is having an impact because he wants to read a story to the family. I thought this was actually yeah. a really nice family moment, just gathered around listening to Homer tell a story. It was. Apart from the fact that Homer becomes very holier than thou very quickly about how educated he is now and how everyone else is just throwing their lives away. Like, he's seen the light. He almost becomes... Said the book for one day. <laughs> he's like a born-again Christian. Yeah. Like, he's decided, no, I know the answer now and I'm going to tell and convert as many people as I possibly can. Like, forget television. This thing that he has loved his entire life. He's like, throw that away. Now this is where we need to go. But as you said, it is nice that the family's hooked into it as well. They are they are genuinely enjoying listening to the story. 
are you trying? Would you say it's bad writing in a sense of how easily Homer's been hooked into that kind of mindset? No, no, I wouldn't call it bad writing. I think it's more just kind of speaking to Homer's Homer's character. He's very enthusiastic about everything that he's doing. Yeah, it could be something that he's never done before, but as soon as he decides to do it, then it's the greatest thing in the world. Reminds me of my dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so even uh, he puts reading ahead of snuggling with Marge. Yeah. It just shows just how hooked he is on Reader's Digest. I like his little half glasses as well. Like yes, the little half rim glasses. <laughs> just, he's had them for the entire run. They're so good. Yeah. Well, you don't see that very often, but just something about Homer with glasses on. I don't know. I guess because he's so dim-witted, yet they draw him to look somewhat intelligent. And he always looks so focused on whatever he's doing when he has those glasses on. I've never really thought about it like that. It's just, yeah. it makes, it just, it's an image that makes me giggle. <laughs> it makes me giggle thinking about it. I've never really looked at it and gone, that's Homer wearing glasses. It's just, it's not sunk in properly, you know? Yeah. So basically Homer's had enough of the Reader's Digest. He's got all he can of it. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. I love how, as much as he loves Reader's Digest passionately... How quickly he just discards it. Like he yeah. sees this competition, it's like, oh, an essay. Oh, it's for kids. Throws it in the bin. So that's enough to throw the entire thing out. Yeah, yeah. So then Lisa reads it. It's an essay contest to win a trip, all expenses paid to mm. Washington, D.C. And then I like when Marge suggests the butt. Maybe this is something you'd like to do too. Mom, it's a nice thought, but we both know that this is the pony to bet on. I like by this point how they've established that Bart is fully aware that he is not the bright kid. Yeah. I always get to the episode Separate Vocations where he gives up any chance he has of success because he knows Lisa is the horse to bet on. Yeah, definitely. You know what is about to kind of come to fruition, by the way, that I think that this episode is one of the... Of all the episodes so far, this is almost the one that best displays the way the Simpsons family dynamic works with each other. Yeah. We have a lot of episodes that focus on one or two characters and the way they interact, whereas this one, I reckon, more than any, really shows all four of them, I mean, Maggie, of course, but all four of them constantly bouncing off each other and the way everyone kind of pushes and pulls against each other throughout the entire episode rather than just two or three little scenes. I think maybe that would have something to do with the fact that they're on a family holiday. Yeah, I reckon definitely that that's the case because, again, they did it in Capital City, but the Capital City trip comes so far into that episode that... There's only a real short period that they're all together. That's still very much a Homer episode. And basically, because they're on this holiday as a family, all the other characters are established characters, so they probably only knew how to write proper lines for the Just family. Just for those guys, yeah. And the screen time is pretty evenly split amongst all of them. I wouldn't say Marge gets too much airtime. I think it's mostly... Still enough, though. Yeah. Like she's, she's not pushed into the background. She does have a, that great gag of talking about the monument. Oh, March, grow up. <laughs> I love that moment. We'll get to it anyway. So, Lisa, basically, she has no ideas for her essay. And this was a good moment between Marge and Lisa where it mm. shows that Marge is just... Oh, she's not out of touch, but she's just she thinks she's out of touch. I feel like we're already out of touch. Oh, we are. 100%. So, I, I'm so excited whenever I hear that there are teenagers that like this show. I'm like, <laughs> you mean I'm still relevant <laughs> to the next generation? <laughs> Uh, it's just Marge is like, do they still ride bikes? Yes, of course, Mum. Do people still use the word cool? Mum, yes, yeah. Mum. Like, what, what do you think you are? I just thought it was a great moment of Marge. Yeah. So Lisa then goes to the forest. Well, Marge suggests that she goes to the forest. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the animation in this particular scene. The forest scene? No, 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 the, the scene in the bedroom. With Marge, with yeah, 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 bedroom Because yeah. they're both drawn in profile, so you only see Marge with one eye. Yep, side on. She looked a lot like Leela. I'll have to go back and watch from that. From Futurama. Did she really, yeah? Yeah, if you bring that up in a freeze frame... 
I mean, obviously there there are a number of similarities between the way some characters are drawn from from Futurama to The Simpsons. So was she virtually side on? Was she? Yeah, or you just say a one hundred percent side on. So it, she looks like a cyclops, basically. Yeah, yep, and yep. yeah. So if, you, if listeners out there go back and have a look at that particular moment, and I promise you, you will you will see shades of Leela. So basically, as we said, Lisa goes to the forest and she sees the boarding. Now, is there any sort of Joke in there that I'm missing, like the, the oh, it's the, just the, a say, symbol American. for America. Yeah, it's another one of those sort of like over the top patriotic moments. <laughs> it is, and also that you know, there's the stereotypical rider goes out to the woods type thing, and then okay, America, inspire me, and yeah. that very thing happens at that moment. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So then Homer drives Lisa to the contest so she can give her speech yeah. or whatever. Great line. Yeah. Thanks for driving me to the contest, Dad. Sweetheart, there's nothing I wouldn't do for that magazine. Now, how good is Nelson's essay? It's, it's powerful. It's, it's so powerful and hilarious. It's just, I love how Homer gets sucked in. Yeah, damn right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, such, it's such a Donald Trump rally, isn't it? It is. It's very, very much a Donald Trump rally. But it, it, anytime I say an American flag, that is like what I think of. Like, and a hell of a lot of stars. It's how I know how many, how many stripes there are on the flag. Yeah. But before you do, you better burn a few other things. You better burn your shirt and your pants. Be sure to burn your TV and car. Oh, yes, and don't forget to burn your house because none of those things could exist without six white stripes, seven red stripes, and a hell of a lot of stars. Thank you very much. Yeah, damn right. Like, he's saying nothing. (laughs) It's just yelling things, and then Homer's, damn right. Yeah. Perfect. We have to it's, somehow make this a meme in regards America! to America. Yeah. America. <laughs> so good. And I love that it's Nelson too. Someone who is being sort of portrayed as the dimwit bully at this point. Yeah. And I guess this sort of ties in with the character, but it shows a bit of intelligence, I guess. Well, he's managed to put words on paper, which is more than you'd have thought he would have done. He's appealing to the demo. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. doing it successfully. And I love Lisa, the look on Lisa's face when Homer's yelling, damn right. Lisa's yeah. like, what? <laughs> the other essays are really good too. I like the, my belly is yellow. I'm the American non-voter. <laughs> my back is spineless. <laughs> My back is spineless. The one I never got was the ding dong. Like, I used to hate that when I was a kid. Well, that's the. It, it's. I thought they did this really well in this montage of just the whole formulaic kind of delivery. They really nailed the way a eight-year-old, nine-year-old, ten-year-old would write a speech like that. Like some Lisa's is obviously way more eloquent. That would never exist. But that ding dong thing, like that's a young kid who's probably been given a bit of guidance saying, here's a way that you can construct this, and they just lean on it really, really heavily. Yeah, I can sort of see you yeah. explain the other, yeah. the other girl doing the recipe, like recipe for a good country. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's very much something a kid would do. It's really kind of true to that. It's very corny, though. It is, yeah, but kids don't know, kids don't understand that. They don't realise that they're being corny. One thing I did right here is the animation on Lisa's mouth when she's speaking during her speech, terrible. Oh, okay, I didn't notice the, that. The mouth just really does not match. Yeah, the, right. Speaking of, did you notice that Barbara Bush, I don't know if your copy does this, but when Barbara Bush says, do you mind? And Lisa says, oh, Barbara Bush. Barbara Bush moves her head and says something, but no voice comes out. Oh, really? I don't know whether it's my just my copy. I hadn't seen that either. I was too busy looking for a nip slip, so I was a little <laughs> sidetracked. That's in the deleted scenes. <laughs> I think maybe she was going to say something and they changed it to Lisa saying, oh, Barbara Bush, because maybe they didn't know whether the viewers at home would know it was going to be Barbara Bush. Possibly, without announcing. I mean, they were in power at the time, I suppose, but without announcing it, a kid it's just an old woman in a bath. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. It's a little bit shining. Ooh, uh, yeah. What? <laughs> I had that quote from Mrs. Glick. 
genuinely arousing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say that the essays reminded me of something from one of my favourite movies of all time. Thank you for smoking. Have you ever... Parts of it. I know it's got... Um, Aaron Eckhart. Uh, Harvey Dent in it. Yeah, Harvey yeah. Dent. <laughs> Harvey Dent and also Rachel Dawes. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. From the from Batman Begins, yeah, yeah. but not Dark Knight. Yeah, yes. um, anyway, in that... Uh, so, Harvey Dent... It, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to... Aaron Eckhart's character is a, folk. is a lobbyist for the tobacco industry, yes, yeah. and his son is writing an essay, and he asks him, um, his son asks, Dad, why is America the greatest country in the world? He says, why are you asking? He says, because my teacher wants me to write an essay, why is America the greatest country in the world? But his first response is, like, why is America the greatest country in the world? And his dad, not even paying attention, it's just because of our endless appeal system. And then the kid's he's like, Joey, you're not writing down what I just said, are you? <laughs> Kid has no idea what it means. Yeah, exactly. He's just I, mean, I, just, I really, it was just a flashback, and I I plump for the Iron Giant a lot, almost too much. But uh, if you haven't seen Thank You for Smoking, highly recommend going to check that one out. Now, I also had here that I think it's very obvious that Maggie Roswell is the voice of the woman judge who questions Homer. Yeah, it's pretty much. I think it's Luann Van Houten's kind of voice. You can just tell it's Similar. Maggie. Yeah, yeah you can just, it's just the housewife voice. Yeah. So she questions Homer. She goes, she I love how that, Lisa. that degrades into a sobriety test. Yeah. <laughs> so, so quickly. Are you a professional writer? Mm-mm. Are you interested in politics or government? Mm-mm. Are you interested in anything? Mm-mm. Could you touch your nose for me? Mm-mm. Hmm. Lisa, after meeting your father... I've decided to award you an additional five points. I thought that was a bit too stupid. Because uh, yeah, Homer would know where his nose is. True, but it's just so funny. It's, and a, it's, a, it's a funny game. Given yeah. that it's come off the back of, I think the father's written this for her. So because it's juxtaposed against people thinking that he's intelligent to show how, how insanely stupid he can actually be and how far wrong the judge is, is kind of where the crux of that joke is. And I just love the punchline of, after meeting with your father, I've decided to award you an extra five points. <laughs> I think by this point, I feel like The Simpsons has transitioned now into a show that's a realistic cartoon, into a show where it can have gags and the viewer just accepts it and goes, well, it's funny. Yeah, exactly. They'll go with it. Yeah, you don't question it. Maybe the gorge moment was the first moment that really set yeah. the tone for wacky comedy that doesn't have to be realistic. You get the great sideline parent as well with the we the purple what the hell was that <laughs> that was hilarious i did like when homer says Woo-hoo! who would have guessed reading and writing would pay off so we cut straight to the family on the plane on their way yep. to washington and this is very much where a lot of this act exists purely for jokes this was yeah yep yeah, i completely agree this was a very iconic uh, scene in the sense of marketing because I can remember this cl- clips from this scene being played over, over and, and over, over again especially yeah. the we're all gonna die that, yeah. that scene and there was another one in, from the, the plane I think it's just maybe just the vision of Bart in the cockpit yeah with the, I, I always remember that being on like ads for VHS tapes and whatnot yeah, yeah. Bart's a real little bastard Throughout this episode, by the way, but harm it's like Dennis the Menace style. Yeah, I had him here that they, they really overemphasized in the episode him being a nuisance, yeah, him being mischievous, yeah, just pranks up to 11. Because they really didn't have anything else for him to do in this episode, not really. No, they had, they had no bearing on the episode whatsoever, but I would not be naughty, which is so unusual. It's it's similar to the way in a uh, couple episodes in Blood Feud, Lisa had no bearing except to be smart None. every yeah, now and nothing. then, whereas, yeah, this is just the complete opposite. 
dynamic, but the exact same thing. Bart has nothing to do other than be naughty. And did not dawn on me until just then, which is probably a sign of good writing in the sense that you didn't realize, well, what is the purpose of Bart here when you're watching it? It's not until you go back and review it and you think, geez, what was Bart doing in this whole episode? Absolutely yeah. nothing. He did add a lot add a lot of humor to the episode, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't think in any way that it was cheap. It was just them being funny, and it's probably typical of what Al Jean would become to be known for, which was just cracking quick joke after joke after joke after joke through scripts, which, you know, what, again, particularly in the height of sort of season five when, like, it's, it's just a joke fest. There's one other thing that I wanted to quickly mention as well. Uh, a friend of mine was telling me this through the week. It was a John... Was, I don't know if it was a Monty Python sketch, but it was um, something that John Cleese did at the very least that I was reminded of when Bart was in the cockpit. Yeah. It's just two pilots. like this, So it's just a sketch set in the cockpit and Cleese is the pilot. He's got his co-pilot next to him. They're just sort of sitting there. Nothing much happens. And Cleese sort of looks and goes, a little bit boring up here, isn't it? The guy sort of nods at him. So Cleese gets on the microphone and just gives it the, this is your captain speaking. There is absolutely nothing to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> looks back at the co-pilot. That'll get him thinking. Worry <laughs> 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 <Probably> about what? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's good. I need to get into more Monty Python because I've just I'm so out of touch with what's like, what they've released. I've only seen like the main movies. Yeah, right. So getting back to the episode, they arrive at the airport yep. and we get the funny uh, misunderstanding the chauffeur. Yep. Look, Marge, that guy has the same last name we do. Taxi. <laughs> next shot is my favourite in the entire episode, I think. It would mm-hmm. be top two at least. Ooh, look, Homer. The IRS. Boo! Oh, boo yourself. I love that they had just a poor, downtrodden IRS worker. <laughs> to just, oh, boo you know, yourself. But in saying that, he's basically booing the entire country. Because <laughs> everyone's on Homer's side in that particular moment. I just love it. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nowhere. What Homer does there is exactly what most people in America would want to do to the IRS. Yeah. <laughs> and then, oh, boo yourself. Yeah. <laughs> exactly how they would respond. Oh, I just thought that was classic. I pissed myself when I watched that. I completely <laughs> forgot about it. Uh, so then Bart, again, pull, uh, pulls another prank, pushes all the buttons in the elevator. Yep. At which particular hotel, Dando? Oh, I didn't notice. I didn't notice. The Watergate Hotel. Oh, of course. Yes, yeah. Marge does say that. Yeah. yeah. I would have liked a Nixon gag somewhere. Well, we did get one. Not, not, not him appearing. But no, we- but I don't know. If they could have just been... It probably wouldn't have worked, timelines and that sort of... But it would have been nice if there had have been some throwback to, like, a, a door being unlocked or locked, something they couldn't open, okay, yeah. something along those lines. Don't the showrunners or the writers would have liked Nixon, though? Maybe they didn't want to highlight I that. I don't think anybody likes Nixon. Well, he's on Futurama pretty predominantly. Or was that a Yeah, but take? always making fun of it. Like, he's on Futurama and just wanting to nuke everybody. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, that is true. They've got him literally as a floating head eating bits of fish food. <laughs> 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 it is pretty good. So, uh, I did like here, though, how the family... It really emphasizes just how they're a common family. They appreciate the basic things of a hotel. Your own towels, uh, m- mints on the pillow, yeah. just stuff like that. And it's a great setup for a gag when Homer's asleep and he wakes up in the middle of the night because of the wake-up call. Yeah. He's got the mint stuck to his head. Yeah. Uh, great setup. I thought it was great writing. Ash and I have been putting a room up on Airbnb. Yep. Any fans of the show that want to hang out with me, find us. How much? Uh, uh Ash is in charge of the pricing. I honestly don't know. 
Um, so it's a lot. <laughs> no, it's like fifty to sixty bucks a night or something like a that. A night? Yeah. What a rot! You get to hang out with Mitch. <laughs> I'm joking. But we got someone over the line because we put Maltesers on the pillow, and in one of the photos, I had a photo of the Maltesers sitting on the bed, and we, like they checked. It was a um, boyfriend girlfriend. They checked in and went. It was the Maltesers that did it. <laughs> <laughs> what two solitary Maltesers? It's one of those mini fun size packs that has about six Maltesers yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> well worth the investment. Exactly. It's not. Overly expensive to be a good hotel. Just leftovers from Halloween? Uh, something along those lines. <laughs> it was, actually. Because I bought all this chocolate for Halloween, and being in Australia, it's not as big. No one came. So, I've had Maltesers for days. <laughs> so, getting back to the uh, the hotel, I did like how... Sorry, well, the shoehorn is one of Homer's first dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun yeah. type rhythm jokes. Shoe goes on, shoe goes off. Shoe goes on, shoe goes off. Similar to now I'm in Australia, now I'm in America, now yeah. I'm in Australia. One bed goes things. up, bed goes down. Yeah, bed goes up. That's the, yeah, that's the one I was trying to think of, yeah. Uh, I did like the, the, the way Bart annoys Lisa here with the trick about the bed. Which one do you want? I want that one. Really? You want that one? Well, it's all yours, whatever you say. Why, what's wrong with it? Nothing. Have a good night's sleep, Lisa. No, really, what? Nothing. What'd you do to it? Nothing. Mom! What's this? What's the term? Is it... Reverse um, psychology? Reverse psychology. That's it, yeah. Just the... Okay, fine. You can have that want bed. want that bed. Yeah, uh, trust me, I've used it on my sister. It works. Yeah. <laughs> they will not have that bed if you talk to them people like People don't trust you. <laughs> like, not you specifically, but people don't trust other people. I know me specifically people. as well. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it just shows that yeah, Bart knows how to get his way. Yeah, have you ever tried to give someone a free sandwich? Have you just been out with a sandwich and said, hey, man, do you want my sandwich? Yeah, they you won't eat it. You cannot give somebody a sandwich. Well, it's because we're taught as kids not to take shit from strangers. I was never given that lesson as a child. <laughs> that explains everything. <laughs> so we get to the middle of the night and Bart is doing the prank wake-up call. Lisa's part of it as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, stupid welcoming mint. Yellow. Good morning. This is your wake-up call. Wake-up call? It's 2 a.m. Sorry, fatso. <laughs> As you said, just another gag. For she just Bart always to... is always there laughing at the prank calls. Yeah, she maybe she's the instigator. Can't help herself. She's that guy. Like, she's the puppet master. She's one. I dare to do it. Then runs and hides behind the corner. Yeah. <laughs> I, said, I was the puppet master at primary school. I'd say I dare to throw that rock on the roof. They're like. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm like, I knew you wouldn't do it. Fine, give me the rock. <laughs> give me the yeah. rock. <laughs> anyway, so as you said, it's just another gag that didn't really need to be there, but it was just added for humor, I guess, yeah. the prank call in the middle of the night. I did like, though, how politely Homer answers the phone. Because mm. he yells and screams, oh, stupid mint on the pillow, blah, blah, blah. Yellow. Yellow. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really good. I don't know whether many people would have picked up on it. So uh, then we get to the, is it like round two, I guess? Or is this the final of the essay contest? I think this is... It's an introduction getting ready for the final. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I knew that, They're but like I little this t- was the final. Yeah. This is the final. Yeah. Yeah. So, the patriotism editor, you can tell she's Maggie as well. The voice is virtually exactly the same. Yep. And she has to explain the, what VIP means to Homer. What does the I stand for? Uh, important. Ooh. How about the V? <laughs> Very. Oh. And miss, just one more question. Person. Ah. What does the I stand for again? Uh-oh. So then it cuts to them in the White House because they've got these VIP badges. Yeah. And they see Barbara Bush and the buff. And as I said, go back and watch it. I don't know whether it was just my copy. I'll show you after we do the podcast. But Barbara Bush's mouth moves for a good three seconds, but no, yeah, okay. no, nothing happening at all. It's a great line from her as well of like outrage and, and a kind of follow back joke to how, you know, these badges will let you get places that other people can't on the tour. And how she sees it and just has to accept that they've got, oh, yeah. you have those damn badges. Yeah. Very she- well. This tub was installed. <laughs> yeah. 
And then it cuts to the bunny. As he said, there's a, yeah, there is a lot of just side gags, basically, mm. isn't there? And just, all right, let's take the family there. Now, let's take the family there. Let's take yeah. the family there. But we do get one of your things that you've said a million times in this podcast. Is hey, it, watch it, Chief. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I'm making sure that we were talking about the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Sarcastic guy. Just, mm, so much money. Hey, watch it, Chief. Yes. I do like, though, that the guy says, now, I have to let you know there's no free samples. And Homer's annoyed by this. Yeah. Like, everyone expect- laughs. Lousy, cheap country. <laughs> expected samples. That's so good. And then we get Bart in the spirit of St. Louis. Yeah. And then we get them at the monument, the Marge grow up, which I thought it's still it's one of my favorite Marge moments. It's just her being... Being a little bit naughty, a little bit silly. Yeah, it's just her being... Oh, what's the word for She's it? She's still a woman with woman needs. Yeah, that is true. But as a kid, didn't get that joke. Yeah. It's, it's similar to the and the horse you rode in on joke. It's one of yeah. those ones where the joke is what you don't hear, not what you do. And then we get the lobbyists asking for the logging permit to Springfield Forest. Now, I completely forgot that it was Springfield Forest in particular. Mm-hmm. So, that's obviously why it hits home with Lisa. And this is very much where the crossover with Mr. Smith goes to Washington comes in. Yeah. So, the, the main plot... We haven't plot, even mentioned that yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, so far, the plot doesn't, doesn't really have a lot to no, do with no, it outside no. of Just the namesake. The title, yeah. But the main plot of Mr. Smith goes to Washington is that Jimmy Stewart's character, Jefferson Smith, gets sent to Congress and basically he gets kind of embroiled in this cover-up plot to try and cut down this forest where he's from, which he very much does not want to do because he was a member of, uh, let's call it the junior campers, something like that. He used to take boys out into those woods, which sounds awful, but he would take he the, a connection like, to scouts, it. basically, yeah. And obviously, the congressman, he, he's sort of in two minds. The guy offers the bribe. The congressman agrees to take the bribe. Yeah, congressman, this is where it gets awkward. I, <laughs> I never quite know how to put this. I just want to offer me a bribe. <laughs> then Lisa comes to meet the congressman. Uh, the congressman wants to use it as a photo op, basically, to make yep. himself look good. I did like that. There's you no, know, there's quite a few women congressmen. Only two, sir. Only I, two. I checked. Yeah, I checked. That's a really subtle jab at it. I think. At yeah. The fact that there is only two women in Congress uh, at the time there was. Exactly. I'm not sure yeah, what yeah. the current numbers What's are. Ninety one, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So Lisa can't sleep. She's too excited. So she decides to go to the Winifred Beecher Howe Memorial. Mm-hmm. Who Lisa mentions was on the unpopular 75 cent coin. Yes. Which was a reference to, and I'm, I do not remember the woman. It was International Women's Day yesterday. I should have looked this up a second time. But it was a reference to someone who was... too busy eating strawberry ice cream? Uh, <laughs> that's all. Fix our troubles. <laughs> it was a reference to a woman who in the States was put on a $1 coin that was trialed for a little while and not successful at all. What is their highest coin? 50 cents? Yeah, fifty cent coin. That's a dollar note. No offense to you Americans out there, but your currency would be must be so confusing. All green. It all looks the same to a tourist. It's very difficult. Yeah, well, just from the outside, I know you guys would be used to it by now, but man, it looks confusing from the outside. Just yeah, all the same colour. Mind you, it does look cooler in a briefcase. Oh, of course. A whole bunch of Australian money, different colours everywhere. It's a mess. I can understand why a coin wouldn't work so much now if you try to introduce it because everyone just uses their card. But like, how does a one dollar coin not work? It's just so fucking convenient. Yeah. Especially for like a Coke machine or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Vending machines in particular, it's much easier for. You don't have to worry about trying to crinkle like and straighten out the note. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so she can't sleep. So she goes to the Winifred Beach Memorial and overhears the logging deal going down because as they said, no one actually goes here. This was like the congressman's bribe meetup. Yeah. I told you no one ever came here. (laughs) So, Bob, where do we stand on Springfield Forest? Do I get my logging permit? Well, let me put it this way, Jerry. I thought it was quite funny too how they had like the howl. Yeah, real misogynistic comment at the end as well, yeah. Yeah, just to sort of 
reiterate just how evil these people are, basically. Yep. And, and how... The irony it, of it? No, not so much the irony, but... the Statue but of Women's Rights. Not only are they taking a bribe, but they've just shit all over everything that Lisa was excited about. Yeah. So, like, A, they've crushed her belief in American politics, and B, they've smashed her, you know, pay, uh, uh, her feminism. Like, her, her feminist beliefs have also been trampled all over. We cut to then Lisa goes to the Abe Lincoln statue for advice, which is another reference to Mr. Lisa, uh, Mr. Mr. Smith, Smith goes, goes to Washington. Washington, yes. Old honest Abe, he'll know what to do. So, is that pretty much the exact same thing that happens in the episode? I don't know if it has the bit with everyone coming up to talk in that yeah. episode. Um, but, yeah, but he does definitely go there. I love some of those problems that people... Would I look good with a moustache? Yeah. Is, is that meant to be like a reference to the fact that people always go to that statue for stupid advice or... I think it's more about the fact that Lisa's trying to go there because, you know, for the fact that she has a problem and he'll be able to help. But she's just drowned out by everyone else that has a problem. It has m- minor issues. Yeah. Well, I suppose everyone has their own issues. Yeah. No, no one's better than the others. I love the uh, the guy who, you know, I tried turpentine, but that just made it worse. <laughs> I, I think the writers uh, in the commentary, they were pointing out, like, I want to know what the guy was trying to fix with turpentine. It's one of those great yeah. sentences that just, it's it's so open-ended. One of my favorite sort of questions asking for advice in all the Simpsons history is, why am I so fat? Yeah. <laughs> I just love it when he says that. Now, she goes to Jefferson instead. Completely far-fetched because she's talking to a statue who's apparently talking back to her. And but, he's so... But it's funny. Petty about it. Yeah, but it, it is funny. I know why you're really here. The Lincoln Memorial was too busy, wasn't it? But it's kind of sad when she leaves him. He's like, it's not oh, like so I'm so lonely. <laughs> he's about how I'm really indignant at that. Oh, it's not like I did anything important. Only the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Something very important. And then she, I like the animation here of Lisa's vision of the politicians turning into fat cats the and fat pigs. The fat cats and pigs, yeah. That was a great yeah. bit of animation in Carter. Like the cross-thatching effect that they put in there. The, the, the morphing. No, like the, the little black lines going sideways. I just, I just yeah. like the actual just design to, of it. To yeah. really give it a different style and different yeah. feel. Like it felt like... It felt like a political satire cartoon. It did, yeah. It it, something it, out of a newspaper or something. Yeah. And then it cuts to Bart. As he said, nothing to do with the storyline, just him taking advantage of the all expenses paid. All right, are you ready to go do... Ah! Our room service, you... Before you kill me, remember, this trip is all expenses paid! <laughs> <laughs> it cuts to Homer. <laughs> yeah. yeah the massage as well. Smoking a cigar. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah. I didn't even notice that. Um, so then it gets to the actual final, the actual time for the contest. Yep. I did notice that one of the judges is a skincare consultant, Rowena. Rowena. <laughs> Looks like B, by the way. Yeah, she does. Looks and exactly like her. Wealthy Gadabout, or whatever the other guy is. <laughs> no, nobody. It's basically like America's Got Talent. Yeah. It's, it's just that get some Z-level celebrities. Yeah. Not even that. Skincare consultant. Yeah. What the fuck's that going exactly. to No one qualified at all to give any opinions on what's about to be said. And then I like Lisa's cold entrance to kicking the door down. Yeah. And she lays the smack down, man. She does. She unleashed. I forgot just how good her speech was. Yeah. The city of Washington was built on a stagnant swamp some 200 years ago and very little has changed. It stank then, and it stinks now. Only today, it is the fetid stench of corruption that hangs in the air. It is a bold opening to a speech. I really, really like it. It's really well written. I watched it thinking... I bet Mitch smiles when he watches this. I do. Every time. (laughs) It's one of those little moments. It's... It's... it's, I don't know. It's up there for me with like a House of Cards type speech. Yeah. Like, this is damn cool. And then, um, even the name of it, spe- uh, Cesspool on the Potomac. Yeah. Like, it's just fantastic. <laughs> Do you think this was like the writers venting out their own frustrations through the character of Lisa? I think there would have been a bit of that, for sure. Yeah. Like, you can't... 
I don't know that you could write something that good if you didn't believe in it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that is a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I like that. There's a little girl losing faith in democracy. Good Lord! <laughs> Just to set it up. And then that's when we get the, the funny montage. I'll let you say because it it's your gag that you've said a million well, times. It's just, yeah, that they get... Like, all this happens within the space of an afternoon. They yeah. set up another fake bribe. Congressman, we want to drill for oil in Teddy Roosevelt's head. Well... Teddy who? <laughs> Congressman! You're under arrest. And then, yeah, it turns out to be an FBI operation. And then, like, it goes from the arrest and then a beautiful kind of morph... Yeah, it is really um, good. ...scene change into that same guy looking at the vision on a monitor. You work fast. I work for Uncle Sam. You love saying it because you do a such good impersonation of it. I think. I, it's, that's part of it. I really enjoy it. You've, <laughs> you've got to really throw your throat tight to be able to get that voice it's, out. Your, your facial expressions when you first started, you get so into yeah. it. Yeah. You know, you know what? it's a really similar voice to uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off... Pardon my French, yeah. but you're an asshole. Tastes <laughs> very similar, yeah. And then it ends with obviously George Bush, that montage. Yeah, yeah. Hey, this should make my bosses very happy. Your bosses? Yep. All 250 million of them. But yeah, within two hours, the guy's been stung and arrested. We did gloss over, by the way, the pianist, Harry Shearer. The guy playing the piano singing is that those Harry awful Shearer, songs. Yeah, Harry Shearer singing those oh, songs. Okay, the, cool. The deficit rate and that sort of things. Like he already sang this. No, that was about the trading gap. Yeah. this is the budget gap. Now, apparently, that's a jab at some real life guy who was a pianist. I've heard so, that. So. I don't know much about who that nah. guy is, but who I think of is Elliot Gould from Frontline, the the Friday Night Funny Man, okay, whose songs yeah. were just never funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think every culture has that guy. That's you know, they get someone sitting in front of a piano and he just thinks he's hilarious. That really just boring songs that go on for too long. And he somehow keeps his job. Yeah. I did like before the whole Bush thing, they got the, the guy's like, I'm all for the bureau, but uh, can we take on a pay rise for ourselves? No! <laughs> <laughs> and then the family realised that the congressman's been fired and it's in the newspaper. Uh, a very quickly printed newspaper, by the way. The kid delivers mm. it. Yeah. And then Lisa. I can't believe it. The system works. So it gets back to the contest and you kind of think that Lisa's going to win. I'm glad that she didn't win because... Mm. It would be so predictable if she did. So yeah. The, the, Asian, the Asian kid wins it. I think his name's Tron or something yeah. like that. Yeah, USA, A-OK. Yes. And then he, wants, he says he wants to share the check with Lisa. Give her the check. Yeah. <laughs> oh, serious. That's I love, so good. Uh, whenever I look at that beautiful symbol, I'll always be reminded of the word flag. <laughs> so it's like a Zoolander joke. Yes. And then uh, Bart's had enough of the piano, so he shoots him with the slingshot. We mentioned a few episodes ago, have they completely axed the slingshot? Here it is. Obviously, they brought it back. And then, as you said, Lisa ends the episode with... Lisa, you taught me to stand up for what I believe in. A much better episode than I remember it being. Still not one that I would go back and watch if I had the choice. Yeah, if you were just sitting down saying, I want to watch a really, either a really good or really funny episode. It, but it's it's still, a, you know, it's very, very good. It's a different kind of funny. It's satire yeah. funny. It's not laugh out loud, in your face kind of slapstick comedy, yeah. I guess. It's just, yeah. It's not very... I wouldn't say this is very Simpson-y. Is it, that's not even a word, but you know what I mean? It's, it doesn't feel like a Simpsons episode to me. I think yeah. maybe because it's got, maybe it's due to the fact that they're not in Springfield. But would you have said the same about, say, when they go to New York or when they go to Australia? I think there was, there was too much focus on the political satire for it to feel like a proper Simpsons episode to me. It was very serious with its comedy. A little bit higher put, reaching. Put, put Bart's gags aside. If you don't know much about politics, you wouldn't find this episode funny at all. You need to have some sort of grasp on the... 
I know you said you understood it when you were a kid, but I don't think many kids would watch this episode and laugh. No, definitely not. They'd laugh at Bart's gags. They'd laugh gags. at Bart's stuff. That's, yeah. I think that's why Bart's gags were in it, just for the kids watching. Yeah. But apparently Matt Groening feels this was the episode that took the show to another level, which I can't agree on. Yeah, because they were able to strike that chord and balance between having jokes for kids, jokes for adults, kind of hit at broader social satire. Because yeah. it's one thing that, you know, whenever you look up a description of The Simpsons, it's like a satirical look at families in America or whatever it is. I don't know up until this point that there had been a huge amount of satire over the last couple seasons. It had just been more of a situation comedy. Satire on the the ideology of what a common American family is like. Yeah. Is, but no political kind of satire. Or yeah, or no general satire. social comments. Like, yeah. like, say, South Park, almost every episode, particularly you know, from season five onwards, is satirizing something, some ideal, something in the news, something, whatever it might be. Like, they're always making fun of something in particular for an episode. It's hard for The Simpsons to do that, though, because it takes so long to make an episode. By the time it's out, it's irrelevant. I totally get that. But so for me, this is the first thing where it feels like they've taken a topic and just skewered it. Yep. Another time it did occur was Itchy and Scratchy and Marge. Yeah, sorry. TV violence. That's very true. Yeah, that that was... 100% 100% right satiring um, the way people respond to TV violence and, and protesters in general yeah and it's not an overly funny episode as a kid who doesn't understand what the meaning is but as an adult hilarious that yeah, episode yeah really really intelligent episode yep what did we learn Palmer so what did you learn in this episode Mitch I learned obviously that the American flag has a hell of a lot of stars <laughs> yes I learned that Richard Nixon was a good tampin bowler ah yes back to back 300 games so time for some trivia now yep well, I've got two questions. How many do you have? I've just got the one. Well, so you I'll, go I'll kick first. Off then. What year was the White House tub installed? Uh, 1893. Oh, 1894. Oh. So close, man. Damn. It would have been a fucking good guess. It would have been a hell of a pluck. <laughs> a hell of a pluck. So, what's your question, sir? Uh, what is the state code that you find Springfield in in this episode? They mention it on Wikipedia. I don't know. What is uh, it? T-A. Which is? Nothing. It doesn't exist. Oh. They also have a six-digit zip code instead of five. Oh, okay. So, it makes it look real at a glance, but no, it's, it's fake. So, you freeze frame it. You're like, I've got it. I've got it. Yeah. I've got oh. nothing. My next question is, how many bills per day do they produce at the, uh, the money factory or whatever it was? The money factory. Uh, <laughs> 10 million? He says more than 18 million. Okay. So, that is my trivia for this week. I don't like it when people say more than, because you could say more than 10 and you're equally accurate. But you're so far off in terms of giving me an idea of what you actually do. It could be $70 million. Yeah. As long as you said more than 18, it's true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if it's 18 million and three, why? <laughs> <laughs> how do those extra three come out? How does that happen? Don't you do it in at least increments of five? Exactly. It, you're a money printing machine. You should be very finite about what you're producing. Yes. Not just, ah, oh, I don't know, it's like 18 million and something. Jamail! Jamail is here! Ooh! Time for the mailbag. Before then, we've got to thank a couple of people for donating to the show this week. If you want to donate to the show, it's fourfingerdiscount.com.au forward slash donate. As we said, it's not compulsory. We actually don't expect you to, but if you do, much appreciated. Big thanks to William Allen and Matthew Lawrence. Your donations are much appreciated this week, sirs. Big thumbs up to both of you. So as we said, fourfingerdiscount.com.au forward slash donate if you'd like to chuck a couple of dollars our way. Now, Mitch, let's get into some mailbag questions. Some correspondence to kick off the mailbag. Okay, okay. This week, we've got Jack Darcy, who sent through a fairly long missive. Strong name. It is a strong name, Jack Darcy. It'd be a good footballer name. Yeah, I was about to say the exact same thing, yeah. AFL, I don't know that it would work for NFL. Quarterback. Mm. Jack Darcy. What sport do you see him playing, Jack Darcy? Well, AFL. 
But if it was an American, American sport, sport, yeah, baseball could be a good pitcher. Yeah, yeah. Jack yeah. Darcy, starting pitcher, Jack, Jack Darcy. Darcy. Yeah, be good. Anyway, continue. Yeah. Hey guys, hope you're both really well. We are, apart from the fact that I have about 560 grams worth of meat rolling around in my belly right now. Can't complain. With no vegetables at all to offset. But hey. Who is vegetables overrated? Worked fine for the cavemen. I was thinking about it at work today. I'm like, I never eat vegetables. Like, I'll eat them if they're part of a meal, but in the sense of they're mixed through. You know what I like to do every now? I'll go to sumo salad and just get a big ass Moroccan vegetable salad or something like that. You are a woman. But but wait. (laughs) I'll eat that at a lunch, and I'll go, I've had, like, 12 servings of vegetables here. I'm done for the next three days. <laughs> I'm done for the next three now weeks. Now I can deep fry case. everything. Yeah. So, what's his question, or what's his shout-out for? Uh, no, well, this is just a story that he, he told that I kind of liked, uh, and some big news for him that's going on in his life that I kind of wanted to say congratulations about. I've been a big fan of your show for a while now, and regularly listen to the podcast. Like so many of your listeners, it's got me back into The Simpsons big time, question mark? I, I assume he's meant to go with an exclamation mark. Because the way this sentence reads is, like so many of your listeners, it has got me back into The Simpsons big time. <laughs> I'm getting married in May. That's the big news. Congratulations. Hey, what well up, man? Doing a honeymoon in April and they're heading to Universal Studios in Orlando. You won't regret the marriage for a while. Not for a while, but particularly not in Orlando. <laughs> greatest place in the world. To add to the excitement, I plan on getting through the eight-hour flight with your podcast... Ooh. Smile emoticon. He's typed the words smile emoticon as if he was trying to command his computer to do it. Um, maybe because um, that's happened to me. Sometimes Facebook just puts what it is as opposed to the actual picture. Oh, really? Yeah. That's kind of funny. Anyway, the reason that I'm messaging you guys is because the coolest thing happened to me today. And this is the reason that you're getting your story read out more so than the marriage. I had to go to the airport this morning to pick up my mum. Her flight was delayed, so I had some time to kill and put on the latest episode of Four Finger Discount. Then the most surreal thing happened. Harry Shearer comes out of the arrivals and is walking my way. I give him a nod and a smile. He clocked that I knew who he was and politely smiled back and continued walking. I would have loved to have approached him, but he was with someone and had just come off of a long flight. There was also that worry of not meeting your idols. But I love the fact that this is this is closer to us talking to Harry Shearer. Someone was listening to us, probably talking about Harry Shearer, whilst looking at Harry Shearer. I would have loved so much if he could have run up and put earbuds just in. Like a ninja. Just or not even a ninja, like a like a TSA security guard that just forces them down his thing. <laughs> just bang have these. I don't know what I would do if I was if I was in that situation. I feel like I would have to approach him. There's no way that I could not the, the way we do this show and the opportunity for me to talk to Harry Shearer yeah, face to face. It. I feel like I would just put all my shame aside and go, I'm just fucking going for it. I've had a few moments like that with with seeing Celebrities in the past. Roughhead was one. Alec Baldwin was one in New York, and he fucked you over. Yeah, he, he was a prick, but I didn't care. But it's that thing if you've, for me, you've just got to go. When am I ever going to see this again? Yeah, I will never have the opportunity again. If it doesn't work, fine, whatever. It won't. Like you know, maybe he'll be upset. But I feel like if you're polite enough, they're not going to punch you in the face. Didn't he? So, didn't Baldwin at least sort of look at the camera for a photo for, with Ash? No, at all. No, his opening line was, "I don't do photographs." <laughs> What happened? <laughs> Nothing. He just spoke to me. He said hi to her, and then he, he started walking away. Oh, that's where he goes, yeah, hi, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, that was pretty much it, as he was dialing a, a thing. And then he shared with me that his wife was pregnant. So, I feel like we connected at the very end there. On that, He gave me some insider information. Yes. I could have run to TMZ with that. <laughs> at least you can say you've spoken to Alec Baldwin, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I don't care that he was a dick to me. No. 
He's allowed to be. It's Alec exactly. Baldwin. I'm nobody on the street coming up to him while he's trying to go out for dinner with his pregnant wife. He exactly. should be a dick to me. Exactly. So, uh, was that all for, from Jack? That's all from Jack. It's a good story. It is. Next time, make sure you throw the earbuds in his ear. Okay. From Jack, we go to Rebecca Carter. I reckon that sounds like a pop kind singer. of... Pop singer. Yeah, pop singer. Definitely. I don't know if, we're just, if we've both made that link because of Aaron Carter. Or Nick. Nick's the best one. Nick is the best Carter, outside of Rebecca, of course. Of course, exactly. Because, yeah. Unless Nick Carter listens to our show. What is Rebecca's story? Rebecca, we've we've helped make friends. Yeah? Which is like, well, I, you know, our favourite story was the German guys that caught up in a bar because they both listened to the show. And he messaged us recently as well. He did. Yeah, good man. But Rebecca is from a sleepy town in southeast England. She'd been wanting to message the page and hopefully get a shout out. But she'd been waiting for a good story to come along, and she finally has. And so this is, I have to reward this. Someone that's been waiting all this time thinking, no, that's not good enough. We don't That's read not it good out. enough either. <laughs> that's all from Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've been binging on your podcast, listening to them on the bus to and from work, as well as in my breaks. Tonight on the way home, I had one of the bus drivers I usually see, and he struck up conversation with me. Good on you for talking to a bus driver. Uh he was asking what she was listening to. She was uh, described that she was listening to a podcast about The Simpsons. A big smile lit up on his face as he explained that he loved The Simpsons. They explained the entire journey. Sorry, they spent the entire journey home, quoting lines to him and her favourite jokes. Now, going to be keeping a lookout for him on her journeys to and from work. So, hopefully, he can talk more about The Simpsons and that he can so that she can get his opinion on our show. Uh, but anyway, so I thought that was very very cool. That is very very cool. Yeah, the fact that we're uniting people. Yeah. We've got uh, Rurari, Rari. I- I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce oh, this, his first I name. This Fraser. Funny. Yeah, we were talking last week uh, in the last episode about the phrase that we've I've since learned is called gaslighting when you try to convince someone that they're insane. Oh, okay. And I put the call out there for people to do that to their own friends, not expecting anyone to do it. Oh, well, within 24 hours of that podcast going to air. <laughs> Well, as a loyal listener, I tried Mitch's experiment. My mate Dave's girlfriend was out of town. I paid all of my mates to act as if she'd never existed. Luckily, they don't live together, so I didn't have to go and remove any references of her from his apartment. Well, today I walked in to find him passed out, surrounded by whiskey bottles and dead cats. It's funny. None of us had even talked to him yet. But cannot tell you how much that made it's my like a life. Sta- it's like a stand-up routine. It was. <laughs> it, was <laughs> it swings you one way, and then it just pulls the rug at the very end and takes you another. But that was very, very good. We, we appreciate emails like that. So if you want to drop us an email, our proper email isn't set up yet. So at the moment, it's still fourfingerdiscount at outlook.com. Yeah. So if you want to ask us a question or get anything mentioned on the show, you can inbox the, the Facebook page. It's just sometimes it gets lost in the shuffle that way. So if you do that and it doesn't get read out on the show, don't complain. We've warned you. If you want something 100% read out on the show, fourfingerdiscount at outlook.com. Yeah. Now, Mitch is going through all the inboxes at the moment because we can't get through everything and he seems like he's deciding which ones are his favorites. Now, I will comment though. I will highlight the fact that you haven't actually asked me a question yet. We've been doing the mailbag for 10 minutes. I'll get to it, but I know that there was one other person that wrote in about something. Oh, one other person, Kane Burt, has sent him. We were asking about when Marvin Monroe finally appears. Uh, he believes... Oh, yeah, he told us, yeah. That, so, he appears in one episode after The Tombstone, uh, where Marge sells her book, Diatribe of a Mad Housewife. But he was initially retired in season seven, we believe, or he believes at the very least. All information gotten from Simpsons Wikipedia page. Okay, cool. So, thank you very much for sending that and in, Kane. And Kane has donated to the show, so big thumbs up to that guy. Champion, Kane. Uh, okay, now, questions. Finally. Finally. I can't help. People had good stories to tell this I'm week, I'm in a man. hot sweat here, man. 
We get to bed. I'm tired. You have a kind of sheen about your face today. I'm very actually. sweaty. It's because I closed the window because people were making sounds outside. I'll open the window again. Continue. People were making as I open sounds this window. outside. <sighs> All right. From Andy Carr. Andy Carr, who sounds like a comedian, probably would be on a sitcom from the late 90s that you don't remember the name like of anymore. Andy Dick. Very similar to Andy Dick. I was thinking of news radio. Yeah. It would be Andy Carr. Uh, what's the one moment that you find yourself laughing hysterically at, no matter how many times you say it? For me, it's the Raiders of the Lost Ark parody at the beginning of Bart's Friend Falls in Love. I like that, but I wouldn't laugh out loud funny. I do, I, I do laugh at Homer's... I, I do laugh at Homer <laughs> doing rates. that. Yep. The actual like Homer rolling down a staircase doesn't... It's not that funny. Yep. It's a good parody, though. What's yours? Uh, mine... I was trying to think about this, of like... Of that one moment of everything. It would be a, like, real, no a matter, real clever one, I reckon. The, the one that no matter how many times I could see. You know what? It's not a clever one at all. It's Lisa versus Malibu Stacy. Yeah. All right. I've been waiting nine years to get my Frisbee back. Oh. You've mentioned that one before, yeah. It's just every time. It's the sadness in his voice. Yeah. <laughs> just imagine nine years every day looking at those gates, waiting for them to open, then it finally happens and then it's gone. It reminds me of... It's, you it's to play so like, tragic. You play like backyard cricket and you hit the ball over the fence and it's a real sort of mission to like avoid their dog who's yeah, in the backyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the ball, you start playing cricket again, straight back over the fence. Yeah. You're like, God damn it. Yeah. My moment would be the... White guys drive like this, and black guys drive. It's just a do do do. Then Homer's reaction to We're it. We're so lame. Homer, just just Homer's laugh gets me every single time. It's so good. So that, that'll be my moment that I laugh at every single time I see it. All right, nice. Uh, Andy has a second question, but I'm going to hold that over for next week because otherwise it'll just be a little bit Andy. too fair. Jack Woods has written in, uh, still loving all of the stuff that you do. It nearly made me late for work today, but it was worth it. Question for you two. Apart from the family pets, who is your favourite non-human character in the show? Robot, animal, or alien? Would love to hear what you think. Never been a huge Kankodos fan. Mm, okay. they're, they're fine, but I don't know. Just don't really do it for me. Non-human. What about you? What would you say? Uh, evil Krusty Doll. Ah, nice one. Is Handsome Pete human? Yeah, Handsome Pete's human. It's just little. <laughs> it's just, it's just, <laughs> have you seen this man? <laughs> um, non- Not a quarter. Non-human. Whoa. I do like Santa's little helper because I'm just such a dog person. Yeah. I do like the... Um, I think... It, is it only from the deleted scenes, though, the dancing robot? The shake, shake, shake? Yeah. I the Richard Simmons. Richard Simmons. I think robot. that's only from the deleted scene. Look, but but, everyone, but it's only deleted scene, but it's in 138th episode Spectacular, so that makes it canon, I think. I always loved that when I was a kid, so yeah. I think I'll go with that. Okay. That works. Yeah. Good. Okay. Uh and the final question that we have comes in from Connor Foreman. So, I just wanted to say what a great show you both do. And Thanks, Connor. Thank you very much, Connor. And thoroughly looking forward to each episode that is released. Anyway, a while ago on one of your old podcasts, you mentioned the Simpsons comics, the Bongo comics, and how they are actually quite good. This got me thinking, do either of you read comics in any form? And if so, which ones? I started getting the new Star Wars ones. I've only got about three issues of it. Okay. I, 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 got, I went through a phase where I really wanted... not enough to, Star Wars literature? I know. I really wanted to get into comics. It was just it's something about holding that physical comic in your hand that I loved. Yeah. I, I never really did it much as a kid. I did collect the Simpsons comics, obviously. I got about 200, or just under 200 of them. Yeah. haven't bought one for a while, but I will still go back to them. If I want something to read at work, I'll occasionally take a Simpsons comic to work and just read it on my lunch break because they are really, really good. Yeah. But cool. besides the Simpsons comics... I Nothing don't really, for you. I remember you used to always get the show bags from the show. Where else would you get them from? 
and you'd always get phantom comics yeah, in there. Yeah, they were always in those. Yeah, yeah but I, and I would always read that because you just go through everything that you get in the show bag. Yeah. But um, I would never go out and buy them. Obviously. Okay. For me, I'm not like a week-in, week-out comic reader in that I guess I just... Maybe because I didn't do it growing up, but now like I, I like to sit down and really read something for a while. So, the idea of paying four bucks and reading 20 pages and then I'm done in 12 minutes doesn't really sit that well with me. So, I, I prefer to like when Batman does a long run, for example, like and, and then they f- will finally release that as like a 200-page edition or something. Graphic novel thing, yeah. Yeah, similar to those, like the Scott Snyder runs and those sorts of things. Like, um, I, I'll, I'll read those. Then there are the graphic novels like Batman Long Halloween, um, Superman for All Seasons, those sorts of things. I've, uh, v for Vendetta, Watchmen, obviously The Dark Knight Returns, the, the you know, one of the greatest of all time. Do you like the Batman cartoons? The animated series, yeah. yeah, definitely. What about the movie, the animated movies? It's Mask of Phantasm. Some, yes. Um, Mask of, I still haven't seen Mask of Phantasm. Okay. Um, that's pretty good. That's un- right up there. Under the Red Hood, I was a, yeah, I was that's a big good. fan of. That was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, so some of those are fantastic and, and just got some great voice work in them. So I really enjoy that from a performance point of view. If anyone out listening out there can recommend any good comics that you think I would be, I would like and would get into... Send us a message yeah, on the page, us send us an email. I'd love, because I really want to get into comics, but I just want to know which ones are worth investing my money into. At the risk of sounding controversial, I'm not a big fan of The Walking Dead as a comic. I like it as a TV show. I've had a love-hate relationship. I've never read the comics, so I can't it. comment. For me, and I mean, so many people rave about it, and there's so many issues. Like, it just keeps going. It's got this massive fan base, but I reckon I read, like, 50 editions of that wanting for it to get better, and it never did. It, every character in it is just written the same way. I don't know if anyone else has had that problem, but I found, like, everyone, they're all very quick to temper, they all blow up quickly, there's, uh, anyone that listens to this knows I've got no issue with swearing, but it's like that swearing where they're cramming it in to try and make a point of it, rather than just have it be natural to a character, and everyone swears the same way, again, like, everyone's just so, it would be, like, two sentences into a conversation, and they're screaming at each other, like, there's no gears in between, it just goes from... One, zero to a hundred and then back to zero again. There's no real context to the situation. Yeah, I found very little character development, all that sort of stuff. It just really kind of... I, I could never get into it for that. It all felt too superficial. I think the TV show is very similar in that regard. Yeah. I find it has so many long phases throughout seasons where nothing much is happening or in a sense that it's there is stuff happening but it's just the same old shit and it's just boring by now. Yeah, it's pretty funny to watch... Uh, to go through and read the episode synopsis one by one, I'm gonna. It's getting late and you need to get to bed. But I'm no, gonna, I was just joking. I'm fine. Okay, <laughs> but I will quickly bring these up. I'll be one second. We'll just skim through like the the episode list of what happens in each episode of The Walking Dead. Not every single one. So don't tune out. There's gonna yeah. be. I'll give you five. <laughs> IMDb is not working for me, but it's basically every time is either the group has to adjust to a new threat, or someone is not what they seem, or the group tries to adjust to new life. Or the group thinks that maybe this could finally work. Then the group finds out this works. won't work. <laughs> like, I do want to highlight to the listeners that we both sat there for 21 minutes in silence. Yeah. While Mitch was skimming. I need be. He wouldn't talk to me. I'm saying, is it okay if he found something? He's like, I would not make eye contact yeah. <laughs> until this joke is completed. <laughs> anyway, so uh, any more questions for the mailbag? I feel like no, we haven't answered many this week. We, just, we did three. Three? Was yeah, it? It was three. You're there right. There was three yeah. and then apparently too many stories. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, that wraps up the mailbag for this week. As we said, if you want to drop something in, fourfingerdiscount at outlook.com. Also, we mention this each and every week now, but we really want to stress, please follow us on Twitter. So at fourfingerpod. At fourfingerpod. It is essentially just a streamline into my brain. Yes, it's going really, really well. So if you want to chat to Mitch directly, Mitch really loves the Twitter. He's pretty much in charge of it. So Mm. at fourfingerpod. You can also follow us on uh, Instagram at fourfingerdiscount. And as we said, if you want to donate to the show, it is fourfingerdiscount.com.au forward slash donate. Would really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm assuming if you're listening to the show, you already like us on Facebook. But if you don't, it's facebook.com slash fourfingerdiscount. Closing, I think we just tipped 47,000 followers, so not going too shabby. Now, Mitch has a big smile on his face and he's looking at something. I'm assuming it's on Twitter. Is uh, it? it is on Twitter. Uh, the Iron Stash at stash underscore 42 year old. Uh, have just binge watched The Simpsons season one. Now to binge listen to all episode reviews on Four Finger Pod. Loving this podcast. Oh god, that means I haven't listened to season one. They're going to be very right. disappointed. The other bit that I was <laughs> laughing at is that he says that he's a Jericho holic since 1998. So Ooh, I thought yeah. you would have been a big fan of that. The man of a thousand holds. Yeah. <laughs> we also uh, had someone named Buttface Miscreant. <laughs> like yes, yeah, sweet. I've been getting so many notification emails from Buttface Miscreant, whatever his name is. Like has done this, has commented this, has, has yeah. liked that. Yeah, Toronto underscore girl. Uh, sorry, at girly underscore toe. Four finger pod. Uh, I made my dad listen to the podcast in the car while I slept. I love the fact that she somehow got this power. Go, I'm going to sleep, but you should listen to this. Well, you have to listen to this. Yeah. I made him listen to it. He enjoyed it. Was the other good oh, part? Oh, that's good. Yeah. I was going to ask that. Yes. Yeah. A uh, Aaron has uh, asked for thoughts on Chopper the film. Watched it last night, and it wasn't very complimentary to Geelong Prison. I'm reading this out now because I completely forgot to actually reply to this tweet. I feel like Chopper the movie is very much like Chopper himself and all of Chopper's books in that it's his words and he embellishes a hell of a fucking lot. So, take it all with a grain of salt. Just take it for entertainment. But, you know, it's not a documentary. It's not so much false what happens. It's just very blown out of proportion. Yeah. And it's very every story told to make him look glorified. Like a hero. Yeah. When he killed bad guys. Yeah. Which... Isn't okay. No, it's despite not. Despite the fact that you think it should be. And I see kidnapped a judge as well, I believe. Oh, really? Point. Yeah, I'm sure that was something that happened. But hey, he's dead now, so we can talk without fear of retribution. He looks very much like my dad. Have you noticed that? Have you seen old photos of my dad with his handlebar mustache? Uh, I've seen that one where he was trying to cut off his own ears. You saw that? Have I? <laughs> well, look, a hard stint in Pentridge can do strange <laughs> things to a man. That's fine. But a lot of people used to say that my dad looked like Chopper. Like, they were scared of my dad just because he looked like Chopper. Yeah, cool. Cho- Chopper is someone who I feel like no matter how nice he was to me, I'd be nervous. There's an amazing story from uh, Greg Fleet. Uh, so, to you know, completely steal his story. But to, it was, to wrap it, up the podcast, yeah. here's a story from Mitch. It was told on... He did, Greg told this on, on Get This a few years ago that he was doing a show, like Chopper was doing like these speaking shows basically and Greg was backstage with him and he was saying that he was doing that thing of trying too hard to go out of his way to be nice. And Who was? Greg to Greg, Chopper. Greg was, yeah. And Chopper just was having none of it. He was saying that he was sitting on this wooden box and just had a pocket knife and was just digging into it for like an <laughs> hour. And he said that Fleety was really nervous in that. He's like, oh, I'm glad that box is there because I'm the next softest object <laughs> in this room. But I reckon without it, that knife's going into me. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past Chopper though. Have you seen the new story where he has the gun and he sh- goes to shoot himself in the head? Yeah. He does. This man on... Television. This is insane. Live television, Russian roulette. Yeah. And then he does it to the, the news reporter. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Holy shit. That, and she took it like a champion. Yeah. But this guy, Chopper, for those of you that haven't seen this, Chopper, like Chopper Gun News Story or something into YouTube, 
He does Russian roulette. Genuine Russian roulette. Like, this isn't fake. This is legit. There is a bullet. In bullet that, in the chamber. In the chamber. He pulls the trigger out of his own head. Nothing happens. He then says, do you want to do it to a news reporter? She's like, pretty much, well, no. Yeah. No, I'd prefer not to. So he just holds the gun to her head and pulls the trigger. Yeah. Holy shit, man. I watched that and I freaked out. Yeah. Just imagine be- if, if you were like her partner, would you just lose your shit? I think if you were anybody that knew her, you would lose your shit. Oh, man. I just... That if you wanted, and know, he does it so quick. Like people would look at that, and go, well, "How did that happen?" He just does it so quickly. You wouldn't think it was no, going to happen. No, you, you, there's no way of stopping it. Yeah. If if you want to get a real idea of who Chopper was, watch that video. Yeah. It, he's just these cold eyes as he does it as well. And he, he just laughs at it. Yeah. Like, and she sort of laughs, but I think she's just trying to hide the fact that she's scared, terrified. Yeah. Like, I better go along with this, or he might kill me. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that is Chopper, everybody. But that is also the episode of Four Finger Discount reviewing Mister Lisa Goes to Washington. Good episode. Good episode. Tune in next week for what are we doing? What uh, when Flanders failed? Ooh, that's one that be- I haven't watched in a really long time. That was meant to be in season two as well. Yeah, right. So maybe the animation is going to go shit again. One for all our left-handed listeners. Yes, it, it, it's a really touching story. That one. It's sort of the first one where I think the the town unite together. Yeah, because they they unite together in a telltale head, but it wasn't for this kind of reason. No, that, that was to kill. That was to kill. <laughs> but, but at the end, they they celebrate oh, okay. together. But. Yep. The, I think this is the first one the, the town's bound together for a good reason. Can, I can't think of anything before now. Can you? No, not out of just goodness of spirit. No, exactly. So stay tuned for that one. That one's going to be a great review as well. As we said, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And if you'd like to donate, you can please do so. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, guys. Mitch, any final words? No, I'm done. Thank you, guys. Have a fantastic week ahead. Shh.